Welcome back to Lave Radio. You're joining us for uh, the latest in our series of writers' interviews. Today we're joined by someone who's only recently been announced as an Elite Dangerous author by Gorance. Today I'm joined by Gideon Defoe. Uh, so welcome. Hello, thank you. Thank you for asking me here. If it falls to me to do a bit of an introduction for you, um, so, you know, with the usual hasty cobbling together research from Wikipedia, uh, I know that you are British and you are a writer. Yes. But Wikipedia doesn't really <laughs> fill in any more details. I think it does it have my birthday on it there. It's kind of like I might have taken that off, to be honest. I thought got someone to take it off because, you know, I don't want people knowing I was born in 1975 because <laughs> it's just it's too long. But it does mean I was the right age for elite. Absolutely. Well, we get on to that. But so for people listening, Gideon is most well known, I think, for your Pirates series. So this is Pirates in an Adventure with... And I think you're up to you're up to five books with that now. Uh, yeah, yes, five. Um, I've kind of lost track as well. They're, they're not actually kids' books, which is a thing that everyone just sort of assumes. If you then turn into a plasticine film, people are going to assume that even more. But yes, they're sort of stupid comic novellas, really. I suppose is the best way of describing them. Yeah, they're kind of they don't sell many copies, but you know, <laughs> um, they bumble along. You're quite self-deprecating your books, aren't you? Because there's a um, there's a sort of sideways comment about one of one of the pirates has found some some book or other, and he says something about, "Oh, it's only thirty thousand words. It's not even a real book." Yeah, <laughs> well, it does feel a bit of a cheat. I always sort of like worry that people want big doorstops now. The kind of general fashion seems to go towards. 600 page plus epics so in the space of five books i've probably written the same word count as one game of thrones or something <laughs> which is an unimpressive amount of output really for the best part of 10 years but there you go it's you know i'm quite lazy so but i should say in case you don't for people listening that i mean the pirate series is very funny thank you there are very few book series that actually make me properly laugh out loud while i'm reading them and the pirates certainly did it which is obviously quite embarrassing on holiday because I tend to read, you know, sitting by the pool and um, you draw very strange looks from people when you just, no one is sitting with you and you just start laughing for no reason. That's good. I hope you don't kind of like, you know, hold the book up and point at the cover and, you know, maybe read out the ISBN number. Curse, Curse of Kindle, I'm afraid. This is what I'm laughing at. So the other thing, just, you know, sticking with uh, the information about you, the only other interesting little fact on Wikipedia, which probably isn't true, is that you have a 2002 Temp of the Year award. Um, it is. No, it is true, actually. Uh, I don't know why it's on Wikipedia, really. But, yeah, I was... I mean, it's, it's, you know, it's not as impressive as it sounds. It's, to give it its full title, I was Temp of the Year for the ADECO uh, Victoria Street branch for... Actually, not Temp of the Year, it's Temp of One Month. It was October <laughs> 2002. So, you know, it kind of... I think I was the only sort of entry because I was in an office where there were quite a few temps and we realised that nobody was actually bothering to send in a form about this so you got like £50 worth of free beer vouchers or something for being temp of the month so yeah we kind of rigged it. Yes that is my only actual award that I've ever got so there you go it's, you know <laughs> that's what I have to show for 38 years. Also, your Twitter icon, I was very impressed, is it's from one of my all-time favourite childhood books. Haunted House, House, isn't it? Yes, it's um, Twitter icon more than anything else. It's sort of like the, I, I get comments from kind of, it, it just clearly touches a real nerve with a certain type of 30-something of kind of like, oh, it's Haunted House. It's um, 
Uh, Jan Pilowski, um it's a great, well, it's a pop-up book for anybody who doesn't kind of, I know, it's just got a kind of eight pages of different monsters in a haunted house. I just loved it as a kid. They don't make pop-up books like that anymore, so it's um, God, I'm saying like a really bitter old man now. No, they, they were an engineering feat. I mean, I remember Haunted House has the, the wooden box at the end, doesn't it, where if you if you sort of work the pages back and forth, there's like a saw that actually has a soaring motion on the edge of the box and even makes the noise. I used to be really worried. I thought that kind of like, I thought, oh, if, I, if I use this too much, it's going to kind of actually soar through the box and ruin my, my book. So I kind of like, I avoided using that page too much. I don't think, I think it was cleverly engineered, so it wouldn't actually do that. But yeah, it sounded like it was actually, you know, cutting through the wheels. Oh, it was genius. I like your little icon. It's very low res. But yeah, my Skype icon, I actually made it myself because it's a, it's a combination of the, um, obviously the new elite concept art with the kind of old, <laughs> with the screenshot of the Spectrum version stuck over the top. I was really arguing with Galant to try and kind of like, I wanted a sort of slightly more retro cover, but uh, I, I think, you know, it's never going to... I mean, yeah, you can, you can sort of understand why from Frontier's point of view that they've made this beautiful looking game and they kind of want to show it off rather than kind of have everybody just go on about the 8-bit version. So it's on the topic of 30-something memories then. That brings us very neatly to Elite. So were you a fan of the original game? Yeah, well, it was this, it was this kind of like love-hate relationship in as much as, for some reason, my school, you know, had like the BBC, like all schools did at that point, but they didn't have Elite and other schools did and we didn't and that was annoying and basically I was, had this frankly ridiculously deprived childhood where I had a ZX81 at the point where all my mates had ZX Spectrums and you know it was kind of I mean it was only for a few months I was behind but it was you know obviously felt like an eternity I was there with my crappy 1k of memory and I'm not having a good time but my uncle he did that thing that people did then of buying a BBC Micro for his business purposes, which, of course, then just got used by my cousins to play games on. And so they had Elite. So I had that kind of typical thing of going around my cousin's house and watching them play for hours and me kind of like sat there kind of going, oh, can I have a go? And, you know, occasionally I'd be allowed to have five minutes on it. So I didn't actually get to play it properly for Kind of, again, it was probably only, you know, six months or whatever after it had kind of come out on the spectrum. In those days, you know, that just seemed like a, a proper eternity. So all my friends had sort of, you know, moved on to, to other things whilst I was playing it and being quite rubbish at it. My main association with Elite is just massive jealousy because they had it. I don't think I even got the novella, the, the spectrum version. I'm not sure if it came with it or if I just got dodgy copy or something but you know they, they had everything and oh, I'm, I'm still quite fed up about it to be honest it's like therapy so as the um obviously frontier came out in the early 90s ish i always forget the date um and obviously first encounters did you play either of those i graduated from a spectrum to an atari st and did it come out for the atari at all i'm not sure it's quite widely known as a sort of amiga title i'm not sure if it ever made it to the st I don't remember it kind of like, and so no, I mean, again, it was a sort of, you know, I was part of that weird tribalism that we had in those days of sort of, you know, ZX Spectrum versus Commodore 64s and Atari STs sort of like was the, the continuation of that and versus the Amiga. So I despised all things Amiga. So I 
didn't get to play any of the, the sequels. The 8-bit version is all my memories. Do you know how far you got with it? I kind of, I, I think I got to, like, you know, one of the averages. Um, it was, the you know, I'd like to say that I got to Deadly or something, but um, no, I'm pretty sure I was maybe below average or possibly I might have got to an above average or something, but I was not great. The trading aspect of it and everything was the thing I was weirdly geekily into, but my kind of piloting skills were poor and still are poor, I discovered. Oh, is that on the new version? The Galant editor, Marcus, he's bought this ridiculously fancy laptop to play and I wanted to show off the fact that he'd got this amazing thing that um, and we played I'm not quite sure what alpha it was I was quite I was alright flying backwards but whenever I went forwards things did not go well and I could get through the bits where it was shooting at some canisters to make some canisters explode but as soon as there was anything else shooting back at me I was poor Simon Spurier was a lot better as was Mark well, I mean Marcus had more time to practice so your book is called Docking is Difficult so this is personal experience from playing Elite is it this has come from yes it's sort of you know it's a kind of double edge of easy it's, you know it's a guy and a girl trying to get it together and so it's a sort of clever play on words but it's also just about the fact that you know docking was not my strong point there's been a sample section of, of your book posted on the elite forums so for anyone listening if they want to go and check out that that's on the elite forums go and have a look it's quite a nice little sort of comedy scene but it doesn't really give away very much about what the sort of overall plot of your book is and unless the book is largely about farming pigs there's you know uh, uh, some kind of farming pigs in it it's kind of i mean it's a deliberately sort of not exactly small scale but i kind of kept away from you know video because there is all this quite well worked out elite universe and everything but it's sort of i was slightly anxious of kind of doing things that i would you know i I didn't want to get into a situation where i was going to get a lot of oh well this bit great but unfortunately because of this faction of the empire whatever would never do that etc etc which i thought oh it's going to tie me up in knots but it's not just some pig farming because that would make for quite a dull book there's a kind of murder mystery element to it and kind of like without kind of you know i don't want to kind of give it away as what what happens but you know it's a love story it's a murder mystery and there's some pig farming that's basically what it is excellent and so in terms of wanting to sort of not get caught out by the complexities so have you had any experience of the writers forums or any of that i sort of dip in anonymously not not actually kind of like posting or anything just to on the sort of more technical side of it i mean obviously you know we had the the documents um the frontier gave us which was the big kind of you know bible of this is how stuff works and you know etc etc here's a kind of brief history and um so on when there was a you know it would tend to be for the kind of the technology side of things i would sort of make sure that you know i wasn't doing something that was completely wrong and not gonna fit in you know i'm quite a I guess, quite solitary writer in terms of, you know, I'm not used to, you know, a situation where I've not worked on very much stuff where there's dealing with other people's things and not your own creation. I I, I wasn't exactly scared of it, but I was, yeah, I was very, very mindful that I didn't want to come by, you know, get a situation where I'd written 30,000 words and then Frontier were going to turn around and say, oh, sorry, this very key thing cannot happen, you know, which is also quite, you know, it's useful to have some boundaries. It's nice to kind of, the limitations, because, you know, it gives you something to, to write within. 
if that makes sense. Does that make sense? Yeah, absolutely. I like having sort of... Because otherwise you tend to find, particularly with science fiction, I think sometimes there, there is a tendency to be able to introduce things that help you out with your plot. Because it's science fiction, yeah. you can say, well, there's this thing. And if actually somebody else outside says to you, no, you can't have that thing, you then have to kind of work your way through plot problems, you know, within those sort of yeah. boundaries. And it also kind of affects the sort of the tone of it as well. In terms of, because I was doing a comic novella, which, you know, I mean, it just, you know, comedy sci-fi is such a massive poison chalice. And I think, you know, the trouble is, you know, Douglas Adams kind of looms so large over everything and does it so well that the danger is, you know, you, you end up trying to be a Douglas Adams clone or, you know, you just fail to kind of measure up, obviously. It was sort of nice in a way that you couldn't create a whole, here's a series of funny aliens or whatever. You know, it stops you being able to do sort of that kind of comedy, which I think is, you know, again, it's, it's quite difficult to pull off. And so, because Frontier would have said, well, look, you know, we haven't, there are no aliens. There's, you know, there's Stargoids, but just forget about it. But sentient aliens, to be more precise, it made the tone of it different to what I might have Otherwise, you, know, you had to do character comedy rather than couldn't destroy whole galaxies for the sake of the gag, like Double Sabbaths might be able to do. Because, you know, that would have really annoyed David Brabham and would want to do that. So did you approach Marcus to, to write this or did, did Marcus approach you and sort of invite you to do it? I, I hadn't been aware of the, the Kickstarter at that point. It was when on. Um, yeah, I can't remember. I think I just timed it well, basically, because I'd sort of, I think I had mentioned it because I knew Marcus, I used to be at Orion, then I kind of moved to Bloomsbury, but I actually knew Marcus from back when he worked in Black Oval's bookshop, and so I knew he was editing these things, so I think I'd kind of joking, well, not joking, but, you know, said, oh, you know, i do one of those, but ignored that, I think. And then I'm not sure if sort of, it was maybe an element of some slightly more serious authors had maybe been approached and couldn't do it or something, whatever it was at that the point where I was in a pub with him and I kind of quite wasn't annoyed but I was kind of like, oh, you know, you could have, you know, I was sort of, and he's like, oh, I thought you were joking. I, you know, I didn't realise you genuinely meant it. I was like, well, yeah, no, it's, um, you know, it's, I'm a big believer in doing stuff that your 10-year-old self would be impressed by. That's kind of the general way I run my career. So, yeah, I kind of, you know, I didn't beg him, but I kind of made my case forcefully and you know i think they kind of because they got they you know if they just got the one kind of license then you know i wouldn't have been anywhere on the the list because they want a kind of proper exciting space opera and i'm obviously not going to write that but i think because they had the three there there was sort of the opportunity to do uh, quite different books and mine was definitely going to be different to what the rest of produced um whether in a good way or a bad way i think he was going for diversity so that's how i got the job i mean did you come to elite dangerous with a kind of story in mind and then look at how that would fit into the elite universe or did the inspiration for the story rise out of the source material that you were presented with that, I mean, you know there was certain key things you know i remembered and i kind of figured most people would remember from um the original game smuggling and cops and trading the obvious kind of main points of the game. So it was kind of a coming up with what arose from those different elements. We had to produce a page-long 
vague kind of outline um, that Frontier could sign off on. And of course, you know, it was one of those things where what you initially think you're going to write is not necessarily what you end up writing. You know, it kind of goes in the direction it wants to go in. Pig farming was definitely mentioned in my original pitch, you know, and the, the, the basic idea of it being this not quite, you wouldn't really call it a love story, but, um, uh, you know, about this relationship between this kind of wannabe trader and a police officer. And so it's kind of, it wasn't so much, it wasn't from the kind of the, the extra material that they, you know, had, had given us in terms of this big, rich background federation and the empire and everything and the, the alliance. All of that I kind of sort of put to one side because I, I kind of felt it would be a bit of a cheat trying to do anyway, because, you know, you've got all these other novels being written by the people that are proper fans that have been sort of involved in this for a lot longer and have kind of helped create this whole universe. So it's sort of to wade into all that seemed um, a bit risky. Is it quite daunting for you then? Well, you know, it's kind of, you know, that there's people, you know, love this, you know, anything that's kind of like got an established fandom there's a sense of ownership about stuff and you don't want to put a foot wrong, really. It's like when you get occasionally literary authors decide to try their hand at a bit of genre and end up doing something kind of quite tropey because they just don't know enough necessarily about they're not maybe read enough or whatever. They they kind of repeat things that are actually maybe quite hackneyed old ideas and they don't realise they're doing it and that's that I'd be cheating if I so I deliberately kind of, like I say, went down this slightly other route where it's, it's in the elite universe, but it's quite at a bit of remove. It's got the basic things I think, you know, you recognise from elite and there are a few gags that are, if you've ever had to use a lens lock decoder thing, you know, you'll kind of, uh, will hopefully be appreciated by people that played that, uh, the original. Do you take any comfort from the fact that with the sort of writers who were obviously originally, you know, the independents and now are, a number of them are signed with, you know, with fantastic books. Do, do you take comfort in the fact that there are other comedy books coming to the elite universe? Yeah, it's. I mean, and there was always, yeah, there was always that kind of element to elite. You know, it, it sort of there, there were always comedic details. It was never a totally straight game, basically. You know, I mean, you wouldn't have kind of mostly harmless as your ranking if if it was. The influence of Doug Sands, etc., is large in it. But it didn't feel like, oh, here's a thing that's going to really piss people off. There are franchises and universes that you know are paid completely straight, and it, it didn't seem wrong to be doing that. I, I'm just slightly aware that half the appeal of doing this actually was it was kind of like this was a chance to try my hand at comic sci-fi, which is something that I probably wouldn't have dared to do otherwise. It was sort of under the guise of elite, made it acceptable somehow in a way that if I was just doing my own kind of thing, it would, like I say, I don't think I'd have I'd have tried it. One of the things that is quite difficult, I think, is that comedy humour is mainly based on recognition and good sci-fi, you know, can be the opposite of that. I mean, you know, again, Adam probably comes closest to it because he's got these big ideas, but to write a really great sci-fi novel and write a great comedy, pretty impossible. You know, what something's got to give a little bit. So in mine, it's not a book you'd read for the amazing, big sci-fi world-building ideas. That's the trade-off there. 
I was sort of trying to think about a way to define <laughs> sort of how the comedy is in the pirate series. And the, 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 the closest I can come to, to explaining it is, I mean, obviously, Pirates in an Adventure with Scientists was made into a movie by Ardman Animation with you know, clay figures and stop motion. And, it, it's almost, and I sort of felt, reading it, that it almost had to be plasticine figures, just because of the nature of the comedy. You know, all the characters are sort of, they're trying to be quite, you know, the pirate captain is always trying to be quite grand, but actually is sort of a bit of a prat sort of underneath it all. So is that, I mean, is that style of comedy with those sort of quite large, I suppose almost, in a funny sort of way, almost pantomime characters, is it the same sort of comedy that, that is in this in this elite book? It's not quite in as much. I mean, there are, it's that thing of you can have, I suppose it's like the odd thing about pirates is that, yes, everybody is this, there, there's a big cartoon character right at the centre of it in the pirate captain, and it all revolves around him. Whereas this does the traditional thing you maybe have of, you can do your slightly more over-the-top characters the further you get out from the, the centre. There are some increasingly stupid supporting characters, I guess, but at the sort of heart of it, everybody's still an idiot, basically, and, you know, I can only really write idiots. It's not as cartoony as Pirates, so, and that, that makes it for a slightly different style of humour, so there is still very stupid stuff in it but there's um maybe some more kind of again actual character based comedy because there's not really characters in the pirate books you know they're big 2d cutouts which you know is deliberate but it's so i don't know i hope it's maybe a bit more three-dimensional it's still daft but it's a different kind of tone pirate books are written in this kind of like slightly faux children's style it's uh, deliberate clunkiness to it and it's totally different so there's not as much ham obsession there's not quite as much ham obsession no but you know like i say there are still space pigs so i clearly can't get away completely from ham or i mean in this actually it's a kind of bacon substitute i uh so i'm doing a bad job of selling this aren't i (laughs) (laughs) no it's good so in terms of the the other projects is there anything you're anything else you're looking forward to reading once everything's out, I'm going to wade through everything, really, I think. You know, I've looked at bits, you know, people's sort of, you know, so I've just checked out people's kind of um, homepages and stuff that have got bits. So I've seen kind of uh, Drew's page and Kate Russell's. I, you know, I'm going to check out, and I, you know, I want to see the other, you know, because I haven't, I haven't read any of the, the other two Galant's books yet. Uh, you know, we've not kind of, although we sort of like, when we were doing them, there was some talk and cross kind of fertilisation etc but it was I've not seen any of the actual books yet so it'll be good this big range of stuff you know I think it was a genius bit of the Kickstarter it was a clever tier to the, the writers pack and I applaud them for doing it so in terms of your own book I mean obviously I don't know how much I don't know how much control you have over this have you got any plans for whether they're thinking about an audio version of their books? But obviously with you, you know, accomplished Hollywood screenwriter of, uh, <laughs> of, of impressive movies, do you have any pull for a, uh, a plasticine animated Elite Dangerous epic? But, uh, it would see, it's, I, I suspect it's going to be kind of slightly too niche for a big budget. Oh, I don't know. I mean, I, you know, who knows? It's kind of, you know, because this, the, the gang could go could be the next halo or whatever you know they're making movies of everything nowadays so but i think you know if pet put quite a lot of money on the fact that if the game really takes off and there's a big hollywood adaptation of one of the books mine will probably not be the go-to 
book because I'm sure there will be other books in, that people have written that kind of, you know, uh, have got a bit more proper, exciting space opera action in it. But yeah, I'd love it. It'd be great. Not not necessarily a stop motion thing. If only because it takes 20 years to get the bloody things to move. That would be 2040 by the time that we actually would see that. I'm not knocking stop motion is great, but good Lord, you know, it's it does take a long time. It'll be just in time for the next Elite game. Yes, well, you know, at their current rate of output, you know, presumably, you know, if this goes well, this will be the, the last one because this will just evolve as a ongoing thing. Are, are you still much of a gamer? Or are you looking forward to the actual Elite Dangerous coming out and being more available to you? No, I sort of like, you know, it's been a little while since I, I keep on missing entire generations of technology, basically, uh, which is kind of good because it means that when playing the, the new one, blew my mind a bit i would missed a lot of incremental steps and it was like what the hell computers can do this now how did that ever happen i'm gonna invest in a laptop not not quite as snazzy as marcus's but something that i can actually place off because what i currently have is too antiquated to actually cope with much more than chucky egg so overall what's your kind of big hope for your book and for the game well i think that the game judging from what i've seen of it that seems like it's definitely gonna be a hit I've no idea kind of like what the sort of potential audience for these books are, you know, and I kind of, you know, try not to care about that stuff either because, you know, you shouldn't, once you've written a thing, it's out in the world and it's out of your kind of right hands to to an extent. I would hope that some people read it. That'd be nice. I don't know. It's kind of like, and, you know, I see that everyone is doing audiobook versions and stuff, which, yeah, it'd be nice if Galantz could do something along those lines. But I don't, I don't know. I guess it's uh, they work to sort of slightly different rules in terms of what they can invest in, etc. There's actually quite a lot of good kind of freedom in doing it yourself. Not that I'm knocking that. That sounds like I've just knocked Galantz terribly. I would like to take that back. I don't mean that about Galantz. They're lovely. So they are sort of the villains in my book as well a bit. So oh, are they? Hopefully they, they won't have read that too closely. <laughs> Thank you very much. Cheers. Thanks. Again, good luck with the book. Uh, and we'll speak to you soon. Thanks. Thanks very much. Cheers. And thank you all for listening. Hopefully this show will go out in time. And if it does, we're just continuing our shout-outs for Julian Gollop's Chaos Reborn Kickstarter. So this is a Kickstarter of another game that uh, is about 30 years old. And this is a classic Spectrum turn-based strategy game featuring wizards and magic. They're doing a new Chaos. Wow. Oh, yeah, go and check that out. Yeah. We're supporting that on the podcast because we're all huge fans of Julian's work. Uh, And if you want to back that, do go and support it. That's at tinyurl.com forward slash chaos reborn kick. Thank you for listening and we'll catch you next time.
Ah, oh, damn it. No worries, guys. Hold the fork for two seconds. I'll be right back. They've made this beautiful-looking game. They kind of want to show it off rather than kind of have everybody just go on about the 8-bit version. <laughs> so it's like the equivalent of, you know, it's your 30th birthday and everyone gets out the pictures of you naked in the bath. Yeah, exactly. It's <laughs>